We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on the Money, presented by Pinnacle. Brady, Paloma with me today as well. I know we've been a little spotty in um, summertime. That happens. We'll be spotty next week too because I'll be out of town. But we'll uh, we'll get back rolling again. And by the time the fall is going, we'll be a well-tuned, fine-oiled machine, or a well-oiled, fine-tuned machine. I think is what I should have said. Anyway. Martin, how are you? I'm reasonably well. I'm back from camp and back to reality soon. It'd be a good song, Back to Reality. I don't, well, I say back to reality, but I guess it's more reality than it was a year ago when we were recording. But Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I still do it sometimes. I still think, I did it yesterday. I was out running. It was June the 23rd. Today's June the 24th as we taped this. And I thought to myself, what was I doing last June the 23rd? Like, what was on my mind on this day at this hour a year ago? I still do it. 2020 was traumatic. And anybody who says it wasn't either is the most mentally tough person in the world, is just capable of, of closing out everything around him or her, or is lying. Or they're, as the British would say, mental. Yeah. I still think about it. I still, and yesterday I was like, what was I doing? Because June 23rd last year, there was no baseball. Baseball season had not started. What was I doing? And I couldn't come up with it. I I was trying to think, like, what did I do? I mean, what was I doing late afternoon on June the 23rd last year? And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing I was still somewhat traumatized i was it was still the 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 pandemic was still fairly new it had set in we didn't know what was coming we were worried about schools we were worried about whether there would be seasons and such there was a lot of talk about oh this is going to be this deadly summer and the people in the in the health industry were scaring the hell out of us if i'm honest yeah um had the you know the virus is going to die in the heat had that 
stuff too. There was a lot going on, and I, we had just come back to work. Um, well, I say we, not the whole office, but uh, you know, I think a lot of people have have, especially I read a lot saying like the the people and that are young, you know, even a little younger than me, saying you know they don't want to come back to the office, and um, that's just tough for me, man. To I'm I'm not a person that can live in isolation. So when you talk about you know like the you know having some PTSD or some trauma from from being shut in like I feel that at my core man it's a I feel like I was totally imprisoned in my home in my mind yeah and, uh, I, well, I remember I think some people in certain circles like don't like to talk about this they don't like to acknowledge the damage that was done with some of the decisions that were made I believe that, Martin. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of revisionist history that always goes on that has gone on here. I, I I do believe this, and we're going to talk some politics today. We're going to talk about the vaccine and some of that. I do believe there was damage done to young people that I could see it occurring in real time in my house. I saw it happening in real time, and luckily, you know. We've talked about this before. My kids are blessed with a great mom and then a psychopath, me. Um, but but I, I try hard. So maybe the, the, I get an A for effort. There you go. Um, I'd say the same about mine. And, and you know, and we, we were able to figure out ways to provide the Wi-Fi and all of that thing, all those things. But I can remember late nights in our house, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the kind of pillow talk that you want. It was a different kind of pillow talk. It was, are the kids okay? Hey, does Carson seem all right to you? Is Campbell okay? You think they're okay? It was it was there was concern. Like there was it was different. You know, kind of thing. I mean, we we did we did the best we could do, but there was, was you know, you could see it. See, you could see damage being done. It's a it's a much. I'll tell you this. It's a much more pleasant. Last yesterday, June twenty third was a much more pleasant June twenty third than a year ago. I my, I thought about yesterday. It was like you know, I mean, I was I had just watched um, I watched a major league baseball game while I did some work in my office. Um, I, I it was a completely different kind of day. I you know I I um, I grilled some chicken last night because Laura went out with her friends, and it was just me and. Carolina Carson and so I, I I grilled some chicken and smoked some some wings from LB's Meat Market in Oxford. If you're ever Man, in Oxford, you need to go to LB's Freshest Cuts. No joke, they don't advert, they're not paying to advertise on this show. I, I'm just telling you, they're that good. It, LB's Meat Market, Greg Jones and the people at LB's are fantastic. But anyway, I'd gotten some stuff at LB's, just some chicken and some chicken wings, and I did that, and you know, I poured a glass of wine and and um. Can you? I think I turned. Oh yeah, it was an NBA playoff game was on last night. The Hawks and the Bucks. Watched some of that. It was a totally different deal one year from the next. And they're not in the bubble this year, right? No, not in a bubble. Instead, they were in Milwaukee, and there was a bunch of fans there. It was. It was the the arena was pretty close to normal. I, I, I we did we did a show yesterday, uh, Oxford Exxon podcast with David Brandt, who's a buddy of mine, used to work in Jackson. AP writer. He now is an AP writer in Phoenix, and so he was at Game Two of the Suns Clippers Western Conference Finals game the other night when the uh, Suns won on a 
bucket on the very last second of the game, literally tenths of a second remaining. Um, and that, you know, we talked about the crowd shot. The crowd was full. place was packed. Uh, we, we, it was kind of a, a back-to-normal moment. You know, NBA ratings are up right now, which is interesting, you know, because for a while there was this kind of theory, and I don't know if I – I think I bought it to a degree. I didn't, I didn't completely buy it. But there was this theory that, oh, NBA ratings are down because the players are all political and all that stuff. And, you know, there, there was, they were kneeling before every game and they had, you know, freedom or Black Lives Matter or whatever on the back of their jersey and, and, and all of that. It was very in-your-face political. And I do think that's a turnoff for a lot of people. But I would always maintain that I don't think that's really what it was. I always believed it was if you're a person, because I'm one, who likes the NBA, the product itself, and you like watching the games and you like the playoffs and all of that, well, you're used to it sounding a certain way and looking a certain way and feeling a certain way. And you're used to seeing, you know, all the fans in Dallas wearing the matching blue T-shirts. And, you know, when Luka gets hot, the crowd gets ramped up and the opposing team has to call timeout to kind of calm the environment down lest it get away you know I, I used to seeing the 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 thunder games when the thunder were in the playoffs and all the fans had on the white shirts or the blue shirts and the the fans made an impact in the game and you're like whoa here it goes you know we didn't have that in the bubble the bubble was sterile and 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 it was it didn't sound like an nba game it didn't really look like an nba game and unless you were someone who could really just block that out and focus on the quality of the basketball, it was kind of hard to watch and kind of depressing to watch. And even people like me who normally would watch it, I kind of stopped watching it. I kind of watched parts of it. I kept up with it, but it wasn't appointment television. And, um, yeah, that's what's happening now. I think people are excited to get back and see – stuff be normal again and not have to wear a mask everywhere and, and all of that stuff. I do. I do. I think it's, I think it's made people excited and it's one of the topics we'll talk about in a minute. First, before we do that, Martin, I want to say I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is that number. Just call, get a quote. Uh, Corey and the people at Clark Ford, they want to make sure that you get a great deal, whether you're buying from them or elsewhere. 662-257-1900. And Martin, I know there's a lot of things going on at Pinnacle. Before we get into some of the topics today, tell the people what's going on there. Yeah, that's fine. I think this might be the latest we've ever done our little talks about the Clark Ford. And I'm, I, I want to, I'm, I might call Corey too just to be like, hey man, what's the deal with the F-150 Lightning? Because those things look. I mean, I'm not going to buy one because I've got a kid I'm about to have to buy a car for and a kid about to go to college. But man, they just look so awesome. Um, anyway, sorry, side rant. Uh. Things are still, we are, we are in the middle of kind of changing the plumbing out at Pinnacle. We're, we're moving our custodian, um, to, to Charles Schwab. And, uh, and so, you know, some of the things that, you know, just like, just like folks with their house or with their cars, you know, every once in a while you got to do some maintenance or you either just, or maybe sometimes you just got to trade your vehicle in and, and, uh, you know, and get a new vehicle. And, and that's kind of what we're doing here is we've, we're trading in our old vehicle and we're getting a new one. I'm really excited about it. The the technology surrounding um, you know, the the new venture is is uh is really awesome. Um, you know, one of the things it's 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 kind of funny, like most people will 
might even roll their eyes about this, but um, one of the things that we're getting, or we have the capability of doing is, is creating a, you know, our own personalized white glove app, you know, in the app store, whether it's at the Apple or Google store, our folks will be able to download, um, you know, a Pinnacle Wealth app and have it on their phone, which, you know, it's kind of like, that's almost a have to have these days. Um, you know, if, if you're in business, it's people kind of expect that. So, um, you know, I'm really excited about the transition. Uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, we've been doing a ton of work and we're doing it in waves. Um, but you know, our course still stays the same. Um, you know, what we do for our clients is not changing, which is, you know, helping folks make sure they're on <clears throat> track for meeting their goals, whether the goal is, you know, retirement, uh, a second home, uh, you know, uh, sending the kids to school, uh, or, or anything in between. And, um, that, that hasn't changed. And then our commitment to, to being, uh, you know, really excellent investment managers, um, is one of the things that that really has been our shining light, uh, really even through this whole pandemic and, you know, and, and now it's the markets are still a little choppy, uh, and with all the stuff talking, you know, with inflation being talked about and, uh, all these other things, the, the markets get a little spooked and then they come back and, I think, you know, it's really a time when we shine because we do remove the emotion from from investing where the folks who, you know, are trading on their own or don't have anyone giving them guidance, it can be a little harder. You know, you hear every little piece of news and wonder, you know, should I make changes to my portfolio? And most of the time the answer is no. Um, sometimes the answer is yes, though. And But knowing when that time is is what's really hard for, you know, for the average person. So if uh, if that describes you and you're listening, uh, you can reach us 601 nine five seven zero three two three um or you can email us at info at my dot com and we'll get back to you as quick as possible so we hadn't, t- hadn't caught up on some current events in a while we did this a few uh, weeks ago and then we talked about cryptocurrencies which made me feel like an idiot more of an idiot uh for a week or so I did get some feedback on that that made me feel better because a lot of people are like you know I don't if I'm honest I don't understand it either and I was like okay good thank God I'm not the only guy because I sometimes worry that between being an idiot and then old age mental decline that I'm going to have a hard time like just getting myself through my 50s, you know. Um, but anyway. So that whole show wasn't clear, crystal clear to you? I could lie to you and say that it was. No, it wasn't. I still, uh, I've, I've, it's forced me to read more about it here in the yeah. last couple of weeks. Um, I've. I've consumed quite a number of of, um, articles and such about cryptocurrency and the risk and the rise and all of those things. So I'm I'm, I'm working to gain a better understanding. So I guess maybe that's A for effort again. That's that's twice that I'm, hey, coach, I'm trying really hard. Sometimes effort is all we can give. You know, and it might be a good show, too, to have some of our listeners, you know, email in some questions they have beforehand, and then we could put together a – a uh, list of questions from our listeners with uh, with Marcos and with me. and Oh, I think that's a great idea, and it's something we're, we're definitely going to do. It's a big topic, and people don't. It is, it's, and it's not going away, and I think that's another reason why we just have to continue to talk about it. You know, in 2017, I thought it was going to go away, um, but it hasn't. It's stayed. It's stuck around. So, All right, there's a lot of uh... – it's a lot of stuff just happening literally as we speak. Nancy Pelosi just said she's going to form a select committee to look into the January 6th. Um, 
whatever word you want to use, insurgents, I guess, at the, at the Capitol. They're determined to make that a very political issue, that the Democrats are, and, and Republicans push back. So where Pew Research did a, a thing, I don't if, if the Pew people have a P-E-W, by the way, if they have a, a, a political orientation, I'm not aware of it. It doesn't mean that they don't. It just means I don't know whether they're right-leaning or left-leaning or centri- centrist. or I, I don't know. It said 88% of the country, the people that they surveyed, believe we're more divided as a country today than we were before the pandemic. Which kind of is going to, I'm going to use that in a minute to segue into one of our topics. I do believe that. 88% might be high, but I do believe we're far more divided as a country today than we were January of 2020. Uh, Yep. I think so, man. And and I think this is just my opinion. Um, I think that a lot of being at home and full of fear and, you know, hanging on to every word that was said by leaders, no matter what their, you know, political affiliation was, uh, I think that really did solidify a lot of the us versus them, um, you know, mentality. And you think about, I mean, there were so many events that happened just last year during the pandemic that weren't related to the pandemic that were very polarizing. I mean, we had, you know, the whole pol- the like police brutality. We had, uh, I mean, so many, <clears throat> so many polarizing events that, you know, people were home and they didn't have anything to do and, and just soaked it all in and made decisions. I, th- I agree with that. I think, I think you're correct. I mean, even my, you know, kid, it's funny you say that because at the beginning of the show, I was talking about what was I doing last June 23rd? I guess now that I think about it, I was covering, Locally, uh, some of the reaction to the 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 Black Lives Matter movement that that took off the uh, the reaction to the George Floyd video in Minneapolis. Um, I guess about this time last year, we were watching the news every night, watching the country burn. Burn. Yep. Now that I think about it, isn't it funny? You kind of blocked that out. I mean, I just well, I, those I, were I, scary times. But isn't that the, isn't that some of the body's natural and protection mechanisms is like blocking trauma or blocking, you know, traumatic events from, uh, from you so you don't relive them every day? Maybe so, maybe so. I I, I think so to a degree. I, I, you know, I I remember about this time last year feeling a seismic shift inside of me about my thoughts on a lot of things. I began to dramatically um, distrust media. I began to distrust or mistrust or whatever the word is, lose trust in uh, government more than ever before. And I've always been a small government guy. The smaller the government, the better. Um, yeah. And so we get into one of the topics today. You, you were, we were talking before we started the White House issued a, a release earlier this week that hey, they're, they're you know one of their first goals was a certain percentage of vaccinations by July the fourth, and they're saying that's not going to happen. And I'm reading today from a, um, and, that's, and that's mostly from the the younger generations 
refusing. Yeah. Right? So President Biden, from his official U.S. government account, earlier today on June the 24th, puts out a video of Anthony Fauci talking. But Biden's um, tweet reads, here's the deal. The Delta variant is more contagious, it's deadlier, and it's spreading quickly around the world, leaving young, unvaccinated people more vulnerable than ever. Please get vaccinated if you haven't already. Let's head off this strain before it's too late. And again, that leads into a video of... But didn't, didn't the date, I mean, and I'm, I hate to go down this rabbit trail, but I'm going to go down it. But didn't the, hasn't the data already told us that the young, healthy, fit, I mean, and the numbers were already pretty staggering, you know, for if you contracted it, it wasn't going to be fatal for you, you know, across all population. But in the younger, in the younger crew, it was almost a, a non-event period well listen i think i think there is a uh it's a loss of trust i think that the government starting with 2020 when there was a republican in the white house and extending into today where there's a democrat in the white house i think the government has lost the public trust i know the media has lost the public trust I mean, no one, no one believes media anymore. I mean, how many media outlets, Martin, do you look at and go, they're probably telling the truth? Uh, I don't. I'm down I to like two. I don't look at, at many media outlets um, anymore anyway. I mean, there's places where I try to gather data. Um, but I mean, do you trust CNN? Well, I never trusted CNN. But do you, that's, do you trust CNN? No. Do you trust Fox News? Do you trust any of the major networks, NBC, ABC, CBS? I don't watch them, but no. Okay. <laughs> I mean. But uh, I do, you, do you trust the New York Times? Ooh, nope. The Washington Post? Nope. USA Today, Gannett? I think I used them to wipe once when I was out of toilet paper. But I asked, do you trust them? <laughs> uh, I don't, man. I mean. In, the Wall Street so- Journal. So the journal I will look at for just pure data, like sure. for data. I don't read their opinion stuff. I don't care about the opinion pages. Well, but care. I'm not even talking about opinion pages because even the New York Times or anybody, if, if you if you say up front, this is opinion. Cool. I know that going in. That's why I never I was never bothered in the past when a newspaper would would uh, endorse a political candidate. If the Los Angeles Times, for example, endorsed Joe Biden, okay, you're being upfront with me and telling me that this is a newspaper that endorses Joe Biden. Now, if I read a puff piece on Joe Biden, I know that going in, and I can factor that in. If I read a hit piece on whoever Biden is running against, I know that going in. I can factor that into how I judge yeah, filter it. How I filter the, the news, whether I, how much weight I give a particular story. Sure. I don't have a problem with that. If you tell me up front, this is an opinion piece, this is commentary, opinion in the New York Times, okay. At the end of the day, it is still one person's opinion. I might disagree with it, but I don't have a problem with that. That's fine. Tell me your opinion. But when you present yourself as 
all the news that's fit to print or democracy dies in the darkness or just the facts or whatever, and then you skew things for political purposes, well, you lose the trust. And I think that's where people have lost the trust. And one of the reasons that a lot of young people aren't getting vaccinated is because I think they've had to figure out on their own two things. They wonder, why didn't you tell us from the very beginning that we were probably safe from COVID? Why did you do all the scare tactics with COVID that you did? Was it really necessary that we had to all go home from schools? Turns out school was safe. Yep. Was it really necessary that we had to shut down our sports seasons? Nope. Turns out sports were safe. Was it really necessary for us to all leave our friends when in reality, young people developing herd immunity turned out to be a pretty good thing? Now there's even articles out there in some of the uh, the publications that I just mentioned that say, you know, it's probably not a bad thing if young people get this and develop natural immunity. Yeah, I agree. Those stories weren't told a year ago. And we didn't need to shut the economy down. You know, turns out there were some therapeutics out there that worked including one that the president at the time said worked. Yep. But the media didn't like that, and so the media didn't run with it. And so they've lost the public trust. And so here we are a year later, and there is a – the left refers to it as conspiracy theory. I think the left doesn't give it enough play, and I think the far right takes every one instance and turns it into something bigger than it is. But there's concern among young people. I live in a house full of them. Okay. They're concerned about the, the vaccine. It's not that they're anti-vax. They're vaccinated with everything else. All of my kids are completely up to date on their vaccinations. So you can't say we're anti-vax. I took the vaccine. Kind of wish I didn't, if I'm honest. I did it because I suspected, and I'm probably going to be proven to be correct, that I'm going to have to show proof of vaccination to cover some of the things that I need to cover. I'll give you an example. Let's say the basketball team that I cover, which is a perennial NCAA tournament bubble team. For those who aren't sports fans, that means that they are usually either one of the last teams in or they're one of the last teams out. They're fighting to get into the tournament up until the last minute, very typically, as they were this last year. Ole Miss came one win short of going to the NCAA tournament. I have a suspicion that if – in March, Ole Miss makes the NCAA tournament. I will have to show proof of vaccination to cover them in person. So I got vaccinated. My wife got vaccinated and just told me last night she really hasn't felt the same since. Doesn't feel that great. Scares the hell out of me. My kids don't want to get vaccinated. They just don't want to. They don't think it's necessary. One of them knows that she had COVID because she's tested for the antibodies. I strongly suspect and would bet a tremendous amount of money that the other two also had COVID infections that were asymptomatic. They don't want the vaccine. Why don't they want it? Well, they don't want it because they're not worried about the, vac- about the, the virus. They have natural antibodies. And two, it doesn't do anything to young, healthy people. Statistically correct. And so they look at the, vac- at the vaccine, and the vaccine is overwhelmingly safe, according to the numbers. But are there instances where young people have had adverse reactions? Yes. So they say, why am I taking even a slight chance with something that isn't going to affect me and which I already have immunity to? Right. So I, don't think that's, I don't think that's irrational on their part. 
And then you can't help but wonder when the president of the United States and, and the head of the health department, Fauci, I don't have his exact title correct, but that's roughly what he does, head of infectious disease and whatnot, when they are pushing so actively for young people to get vaccinated, you have to ask why. And here's the problem, Martin. When you lose the public trust, you become the boy that cried wolf. What if what if this is the one time that they're telling the truth? Because the emails and such with Fauci have come out and proven Fauci to be a bit of a fraud. Fauci knew more back in March and April of 2020 than he told the American public. He knew a lot more. His emails bear that out. They knew things about this that they didn't tell the American public for whatever reason. So now you're telling people, hey, this Delta variant scary. It's bad. It's going really, to really hurt young people if you don't get vaccinated. Here's the truth. A lot of people just don't believe them. Yeah. And, when you, and when you lose the public trust, you become the boy that cried wolf. And when you're the boy that cried wolf, the one time that there's actually a wolf coming to get you and you screamed everybody, wolf, wolf, they go, oh, he's just crying wolf. Ain't a, ain't a wolf. He's fine. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, I, I, all of eh, one of my kids didn't have Rona, um, and it's my my oldest daughter. But you know, Christopher's was a non-event. Uh, Gia and I, and I said it on our show before, we, and I didn't even know I had. I really didn't even know I had it. Um, well, I didn't know I had it. Period. Until we got a positive result, but I had—I literally had zero symptoms. And I think it was you and I that were talking, and we, I think we were off air, like not talking on the show. And I said the only, you know, and I was talking about—I uh, thought that I had a bad batch of coffee. And you're like, "No, man, that was Rona messing with your taste buds." And yeah. I was like, "You know, probably spot on." Because I kept—I kept going through. I didn't have anything. I didn't lose taste, smell, no fever, no nothing. Didn't feel bad. Nothing. Didn't even know I had it, and um, but the but the one thing that was looking back was the coffee tasted absolutely like garbage for you know for like four or five days. Isn't it funny? That was my first my first sign was coffee tasting funny. Yeah, I think what I think that's how we got onto that was you sharing your experience with me, and I was like, man, that was I had that I had my coffee tastes like crap. But I'm I think glad. people but I think people are confused now. They're a little they're a little pissed off now, if you're honest. They look at it and they're tired of I mean, some places like I talked to someone the other night who his son goes to uh, Notre Dame. And at Notre Dame you, you have to be vaccinated. Um, you know, and that's a choice that you therefore are presented with. You either get vaccinated or you don't. And I guess if you don't, you transfer someplace else. They're a private school. Um, I know I talked to someone here who was in a pretty high up meeting at Ole Miss and they're not going to mandate masks. They're not going to mandate the vaccine this fall. Um, and there are professors who are pissed off about it. Those professors asked in a meeting, well, can we require our students to wear masks? And they were told, no, you cannot. You can encourage it, but no, you cannot mandate it. And I mean, and, and this is where and the beauty of the country is, is if 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 you're if you really are worried or you feel like you have uh, a, a reason to wear a mask, just wear a mask. I don't care. When I see people in masks, uh, I'm about to lie to you. 
when I see people in masks, I immediately the bad thing is as I immediately make a judgment on on where they fall politically, and that's wrong because there could be people with you know with issues for why they want to protect themselves. That, but I suspect for the most part you're right. But I mean, I mean but, we all walk around judging. Everybody judges. You judge. I judge. Everyone judges. Everyone judges. Everyone judges. We do, and and it's fleeting for me too. So it's like I see it. I make my little comment to myself, and then I don't think about it anymore because I don't care. Like if someone wants to wear a mask or someone doesn't want to wear a mask, I don't care. I don't. No, I don't either. Yeah. Couldn't care less. Daughter, she still if she's in a, you know, in a place with a lot of people she will she will put a mask on and she doesn't think twice about it and that's her preference and i don't you know i don't say anything to her but like my son as soon as they were like hey uh you don't have to wear anything man he burned his it was like the bra burning stuff from the women's rights movement he burned his mask not literally i'm being facetious but you know he didn't want to wear it and then my youngest you know she doesn't want to wear it either and but i don't care what yeah, that's the, the only people, not to get on the mask topic at all, because it's, it's, I think we're really close to over it, past it. The one group of people that I worry about as it pertains to mask are the really young who, you know, I've been here 51 years, so I've done one year of mask. That's less than 2%. I can minimize that. If you're six, five, six. That's Gia, man. You're talking about my youngest daughter. So that's a big, you know, and you don't, please tell me about all the things you did when you were two that you remember. You don't. All the things you did when you were three that you remember. You don't. I don't. So you, you don't, you don't become a conscious human until what about, I mean, realistically, I don't mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not minimizing human life when you're one year old. Not at all. There's nothing more adorable. My point is that you don't, you don't yeah. remember what you put on when you were one. You don't remember what you watched when you were yeah. one. Yeah. I, I, I know. You know where I'm going, right? I'm not. I'm not minimizing the value of, of of human life in any shape, form, or fashion. No. I'm. I'm. But I'm saying, you know, you no, don't really become a truly conscious. Hey, I remember what I did yesterday. I'm. I'm. I'm thinking about until you're what three and a half, four years old. So she's five, six years old. So that's a big portion of her quote yeah. conscious end quote life that she sees masked, and you wonder what that does to her long term. What does that what does that do to her ability to to um, socialize? Yeah, when she's in Gia, uh, she's real routine oriented, like me. Like I have, I have a routine every day that I have to do, and it's because I'm I am severely like adult ADD. Um, and, and and I had it. I was I was totally ADD before I was an adult, but I don't take medication. Um, and I might should take medication, but anywho. I have to, I have a routine I have to do. So like my keys, my wallet, everything is in the same place all the time at night. When I go to bed, everything goes in the same spot. I have my routines in the mornings. I have my, cause if any of those are out of sync, nothing is going to get done. And, and my day will be out of sync. And Gia is, is the same way. So I watched her, you know, when they sent them home and she was a kindergartner, I watched her struggle you know, through kindergarten. And of course she had her dad as a kindergarten teacher, which was awful. Uh, I mean, I was, I think I was a, I was a little better than her mom, but that was only because Gia and Jen are like the exact same personality type. And Gia's routine was all screwed up. So she just lashes out, right? Like she's trying to get order in her life. And then Jen will get frustrated. So I was like, I just, you, 
you go away, I'm going to teach. And, you know, she, dude, she went through kindergarten with me as a teacher, which is awful. And she was behind, man. And thankfully, we have really good teachers at our school that do, like, their care, their give a crap is pretty high. And uh, we had her, her kindergarten teacher has been tutoring her all year, her first grade year, trying to get her caught up and still tutoring her right now. But, dude, I mean, she missed, like, huge foundation part of, of school year. And, you know, her life was turned upside down because she didn't have a routine and she didn't understand why she didn't get to play with her friends on the playground. And, you know, unfortunately, where we live, we live on a busy street. So she couldn't just run outside and run across to the neighbor's house because that's not we're not in. I mean, we're in a neighborhood, but I'm on a on a heavy vein. So, uh, dude, it jacked, it jacked her up, man. And I saw that happening, just like you were saying earlier. So it's interesting to me that this this push for vaccinations with young people. From the from the from the leader of the free world. I mean, it's, it's Joe Biden's Twitter account. So before anybody goes, oh, you're being hyperbolic. No, I'm not. The president of the United States issued that tweet this this morning, urging young people to get vaccinated. There are places that are paying people to get vaccinated. There are the lottery systems where, hey, if you get vaccinated and you hit the lucky number, mm. I look at that and think, what's that about? What what is that about? And the bigger concern is I don't know how long it will take for people to trust the messenger again. Maybe ever. If they came out tomorrow and said, hey, guess what? I mean, something similar. I guess they just did it. There's this new virus coming on. We've got to go back to socially distance. We must lock down. Get your mask back out, y'all. This is the this is the big one. <clears throat> I do I this it's not gonna happen. I mean I'd say no. Boy who cried wolf stuff and and you got to think too you know let's let's pull this into the pull this into a, a dis- framing a discussion around economics and how yeah. it impacts finances too yeah businesses are going to tell the government to f off yes because they're like hey we did that once and and it was unnecessary and <clears throat> you know to make it work we had to go so far into hawk and into debt. Um, you know, to, to bail out these businesses and it was all for naught. Like, I mean, not that the businesses didn't need to be bailed out because some of them did need to be bailed out after they were forced shut down, but it was a shutdown that's wasn't necessary. And then now you look at like unemployment numbers and, you know, I know they politicize this stuff too. And they're like, oh, you know, unemployment is dwindling. Well, it's finally dwindling because a lot of governors and states have said, we're not, we're not giving any more extras because we're, I think, it should be like right now, right? Uh, uh, Calendar-wise is when the last of the... Uh, yeah, here this week. Here's a, along those lines, Martin, you, you, it's almost like we prepared. We really kind of did, <laughs> kind of didn't. Uh, there's a story today, the Wall Street Journal, this morning. A recent downward trend. I always, I always like to give the author credit. I do, because it's someone worked hard on this. This is by Amara Omiokwe, I believe is how you would say Amara's name. In the Wall Street Journal, a recent downward trend in worker filings for jobless benefits stalled in mid-June amid other signs the labor market continues to gradually recover. The Labor Department reported Thursday that initial unemployment claims, a proxy for layoffs, moved slightly lower last week to a seasonally adjusted 411,000 from an upwardly raised 418,000 the prior week when claims rose. The four-week average for claims, which smooths out volatility in the weekly figures, 
rose slightly off a pandemic low to 397,750. While last week's initial claims were higher than projected and claims overall remain above pre-pandemic levels, their downward trajectory, along with a pickup in hiring, a declining unemployment rate, and optimistic consumer sentiment points to gains for the U.S. labor market. Claims are down sharply from the depths of the COVID-19-induced downturn during 2020 and are hovering at levels half of what they were in January this year. Weekly claims total weekly claims totals are down more than 40% from the 742,000 total posted the week ending April the 3rd. The overall trend is the right direction, said Jordan Van Ryn, senior economist at the Credit Union National Association. Right now, there's a lot of demand for labor out there, and it's the workers that are a little more in the driver's seat. Around 3.4 million people were claiming ongoing unemployment benefits through regular state programs as of the week ending June 12th, a decline from the previous week. Roughly 14.8 million Americans were claiming benefits through all unemployment programs, including special pandemic-related programs as of the week ending June 5. Well, I mean, and that just makes so much sense to me because – you know, at my core, if someone was just going to, was going to pay me, and I know we've had this, well, so I won't beat this to death. And we've said it on the show before, but if someone's going to pay me more than I'm making going to work, that's a, that's a conscious decision that you have to make, right? Because normally if someone said, Hey, either work or draw unemployment and unemployment is, you know, I don't know, $300 a week or something like that, or it may not even be that much. I, uh, it's terrible that I don't know exactly what it is, but you know, you you generally are going to earn more than that working than than sitting at home. So the incentive is, yeah, it's there to kind of bridge you a little bit while you're looking. If you you know lose your job through no fault of your own, but it's not meant to be a a long term solution, or it gets people dependent. You know, and then for like people like my wife, you know, Jennifer, uh, you know, her job was 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 killed, uh, at the very beginning of Rona, you know, she didn't go back to work. Um, you know, and some of it was that the jobs that she did, you know, the opportunities weren't there because they were, they were shut down, but she finally just had enough and said, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to go back to school. And that's what she did. So she's in, she's doing nursing school right now. And I bet there's a lot of people who, who have also just dropped off of the claiming, too. It's not that they found work. They just dropped off. They did something different, went back to school. But, you know, hell, I, I don't know. It's probably the same way in Oxford. It is in Jackson. You know, there are people looking for for workers um, all over the place. I mean, one of my buddies that owns a locksmith place, and I, I think they filled it pretty quickly, they were offering, uh, they were offering like, that's like 50 grand a year to be a locksmith uh, and no prior experience needed. They would train you to become, to be a locksmith. They were just had, they had so much work and, and not enough people to do it, which is just crazy, man. Yeah. Stocks climb today. Commodities stabilized. This again, wall street journal. We're using them. Wall street indexes marched higher on Thursday, putting the NASDAQ on course for another record close and bringing the S and P 500 close to its own record. Crude oil and gold prices are making muted moves and Bitcoin is inching higher. Yeah, and and man, 
you know, one of our philosophies too, and it's and it's going to stay this way. And you know, there was a Fed meeting last week where they talked about, you know, what their thoughts were on inflation. Were they going to make moves on the interest rates? And the Fed is getting, uh, you know, a little more conversational about raising the rates. But as I understand, they're still not going to do it through next year. It'll be twenty twenty three would realistically be the first year where they would raise rates. And they might start, um, you know, tapering out some of their bond purchasing program, which all in all, I said that to say the Fed is still saying, hey, we don't think that we're fully there yet. And, you know, we're going to keep interest rates low, which are good for for stocks. And so as long as interest rates stay low, it's, you know, you're going to continue to see stocks move higher. Now, that they may not move higher in a direct line, but, you know, through the bouncing up and down, they're going to generally move up and to the right. Let me ask you um, this, Martin. This is a, a, a sentence in this. It says, Wall Street's fear gauge, the SIBO, I, I hope I'm pronouncing yeah. that correctly, the SIBO volatility index has fallen to a fresh pandemic era low. Yeah. Does that mean people are starting to say, hey, there's confidence, the economy's coming back, um, the market's stabilized? Yeah, it it does. Um, and you, what you don't see so much is just so much trading. Um, things are starting to become a little bit more, um, you know, programmed. And you know, for for the folks that were you know with their Robinhood accounts or their Fidelity accounts, or <laughs> they had to go back to work. Schwab, <laughs> they did have to go back to work, man. But, but it was it was also a, a period of like false. Uh, a false sense of 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 confidence too, where people were saying, "Man, uh, you know, you can just nearly pick any stock and make money." Which you know, from March twenty third of last year through you know today has has been true. But when things normalize and volatility is kind of at a normal place, it's a lot harder to have these outsized gains like like people had. And another thing that was kind of funny is um you know i have i have i have everyone has the buddies right that made a killing trading options or made a killing trading stocks and on their in their robinhood accounts or in their other accounts last year and uh, it was kind of their first year of of experiencing this you know they got some stimulus money they invested their stimulus money and they turned their you know let's call it you know 3000 bucks into you know into 6000 or 7000 or or 10000 in some cases and they're like hell yeah you know, I made money. Well, they made it in short-term capital gains. Well, April 15th rolled around this year, or I guess actually May 15th since it got extended. And uh, and they're having to pay taxes for the first time. Uh, I think there were a lot more uh, young people that immediately began to think that government should have less of a role in telling them, you know, how much how much money they should pay in taxes. Because short-term capital gains is at your ordinary income tax rate. So, you know, they didn't make three grand in in gains. They made three grand minus the you know thousand bucks that they had to pay uh, to Uncle Sam for trading, or or fifteen hundred bucks if they're in a higher tax rate. So I think a lot of people got some got some lessons too about investing, and they're not going to try to be traders like they used to be. All right, along those lines, we're going to get your reaction to this. This is written by Kara Depina and Peter Santilli of the Wall Street Journal. As consumers deal with starkly higher prices than a year ago, the Federal Reserve has maintained its stance that high inflation 
the increase in the price consumers pay for goods and services isn't expected to last very long. The Fed tweaked its outlook and now expects to raise interest rates by late 2023, sooner than previously anticipated, noting progress in economic activity and employment. And while inflation's 13-year high, as measured by the annual change in the consumer price index from a year earlier, has caused concern, the central bank restated its belief that the rise in prices is, quote, largely reflecting transitory factors, end quote. The Fed cut its benchmark interest rate in economic downturns to lower borrowing cost and boost activity. When the economy is thriving, prices rise, and the Fed tends to raise rates to keep inflation from climbing too far above its 2% target. Its yep. preferred gauge, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, typically tracks just below the Consumer Price Index. A sudden burst in consumer demand from the economy reopening and an imbalance in supply disruptions are among the main factors driving up prices compared with the same period last year. Sure. You want me to English all that? Yeah, and give me your thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with it, and that's kind of what we've what we've said over the last couple of weeks too, or the last I don't know, a couple of months that we've been talking about it. So, you know, you had people sitting at home that weren't spending money normally like the way they spend money, too, right? And then the government pumps in all this extra cash into your into your pocket and said, you know, hey, go spend this. So people did. You know, if you looked at Walmart or Target or wherever, you know, people weren't w- walking out of Walmart and Target with, you know, bananas and orange and milk. They, they were walking out of there with new TVs, uh, you know, PlayStation 5s or, you know, bi- you couldn't buy a bicycle during the pandemic. Um, you know, people were just spending money. So, you know, you did have you know, prices for your normal goods and services. I mean, think about hotel rooms, um, you know, airline tickets, all those things were at all time lows. Well, that, that number that came in the time before last, that came in at 6.3%. A lot of that inflation number were those things, the rising cost of, uh, you know, the airline tickets, uh, hotel room nights, used cars were, were one of them. It's not that those aren't, those are not going to be, you know, long-term, you know, in there, it's going to be, because as you measure periods, so when we go a year from now, let's just go easy math. Let's just say an airline ticket costs normally $400, right? Just easy math. But during the pandemic, when no one was traveling, if you flew anywhere, you might could get an airline ticket for, you know, a hundred bucks. So, so 25% of what the, what the cost used to be. So if they measure airline ticket costs from, you know, June 23rd last year where you could get a, you know, Jackson to Atlanta for a hundred dollars. And they look at June 23rd this year. And now Jackson to Atlanta is 400 bucks. You're like, Oh my God, the price went up four times, four times. We've got huge price increases. And then let's fast forward to next year where, you know, June 24th of 2020, the same airline ticket from Jackson to Atlanta is 400 bucks the change in price over a year is not going to have changed. So that's what they mean by kind of like transitory. It was just an event driven. Now let's talk about just inflation and averages too. So one of the words you said is the average for inflation is somewhere in that two to two and a half percent, which is correct. Well, inflation since really 2009 has been running below 
two to two and a half percent. So if our long-term target is two to two and a half percent, it's just simple math. We're not getting into, you know, applied mathematics or you don't need a PhD to understand this. But if something has been running below average, in order to get it back to average for a little while, it's going to have to come in above average, right? Same way with baseball, right? A guy's hitting, you know, 250. And that's his batting average. If he wants his batting average to go up, he's going to have to hit the ball more than when he's at the plate, right? That's the only way to get the average to go up is to, <clears throat> is to go over it. So for 10 years, we've been running below average. I'm not saying for the next 10 years, we're going to run, you know, above average, but at some point it's got to happen a little bit. And that's the Fed's job is to, to try to keep things in check. And, <clears throat> you know, each year things are going to rise but also, that's what she said. He just, I'm sorry. Just I'm sorry. A little bit too, so. I'm glad you didn't catch the joke. I'm sorry. You said each, never mind. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear, I didn't even hear. No, I threw in a, that's what she said. You set it up. It's my fault. Mm. I'm, I'm 51 going on 11. <clears throat> I'll have to go back and listen. I'll let Bella listen. She'll absolutely love the, your Michael Scott reference. <laughs> I think she lo- I will say this last summer I think I rewatched The Office twice in an attempt yeah. to try to keep my keep my mood okay. Yeah. I mean, and thank God for Ted Lasso during the summer. So Oh, he's coming back July 23rd. Sir. Dude, have you watched any other Apple TV Plus shows? I so I did. I watched um oh gosh, I'm pull up the apps. I can remember. I'm bad about this. Really bad they're, about some, this. We're putting out some pretty good stuff, man. Um, like, like for all mankind, I watched, which was the space alternate history. You know, if the Soviets would have landed on the moon before us. Um, oh, it sounds pretty interesting. I watched it, Defending Jacob. I haven't watched that one. Another one that was really, it was one of their movies. Um, it had Justin Timberlake in it, and I did not think I was going to enjoy it. It's called Palmer. Um, man, it was really, really good. Really good. But it's a movie. Anyway, I didn't mean to dive off on that, but no, Apple you're good. has been putting out some, some pretty good stuff. Is this a new Jack Ryan or is this the same Jack Ryan? Ooh, I would love a new Jack Ryan. They only did two, right? I think so. It was great. I would love a new Jack Ryan. That was mine and Bella's show too, was, was Jack Ryan. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a good bit. We we still have direct TV and I'm not I'm not sure why, honestly. It's a conversation we have all the time and I think it's because we're both intimidated at the idea of remembering all the passwords and the apps and all that stuff, but we don't watch it. We just cut it, man. We just cut Comcast. And um now, is there anything you miss cuz like okay, here's here's the things that that I worry about. I worry about being able to watch, um, like Carson likes watching the NBA a lot. And the playoffs, a lot of the NBA is on TNT. Yeah. And a lot of the TNT, like TNT, I know you can stream it, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. We did. So I, I, I guess it's not fair to say we cut, we cut cable. We did, we canceled Comcast. I still have C Spire is my internet provider, but we are testing out um the fubo tv it's just streaming because most of the stuff that we watch is sports 
that's all that I've really watched channel wise. And then my mom watches the Hallmark stuff. So that had like, uh, that placated everyone. Jennifer watches no TV whatsoever. I mean, she watches some shows on like, you know, Netflix or prime or other stuff, but she does not watch channels or anything like that. So the Fubo TV was a, was a pretty, I think it was like $60 a month. Um, and dude, we were paying 300 ish for Comcast. Um, so, I mean, I cut my bill in half, you know I mean? I have yeah. like 80 fire and then 60 bucks for, uh, for Fubo. And I have, since we have AT&T, um, cell phones, I have HBO max on, you know, through my AT&T provider. So, so we're going to give it a shot, man. Um, we were without anything for, you know, about two weeks and, um, and we have the Disney plus bundle where you're supposed to get ESPN plus. And I thought I was going to be able to get all my sports through ESPN plus, but that is, uh, that is not true. So, so ESPN was really the reason that, and then also with the Fubo TV, they have Christopher and I love soccer. So I can watch La Liga. Um, they have BN sports so I can watch, you know, we can watch the French league. Uh, we can watch the Bundesliga in Germany, the premier league. And then all of like the Euro 2020 that's going on. So sure. Um, the Euro stuff's been great by the way. Yeah, man, dude, what about, did you see the Denmark game where, uh, Christian Eriksen collapsed? I was not watching it. Carson alerted me to it because Christian Eriksen once played for Tottenham. And so I, and I, yeah. you know, and he's a Tottenham fan. He was a, well, I'm a Tottenham fan or you're a Tottenham. supposedly, there you, go. you know, the story on that, right? It was the world cup and we were watching it like back in the day and England was playing somebody and I was cheering for England. And so I told Carson, I said, whoever scores the next goal oh. for England, whoever he plays for, that's my team. And of course, Harry Kane scores. And I said, who's he play for? He says, Tottenham. He looks at me like rolls his eyes. Dude, it will, the, my little coach, my team that I coached when they were U9s and U10s, I made them pick a Premier League team and they chose the Hotspurs. Is so that we right? Won. So the other day I told, because Carson's a Chelsea fan. And I'm a Chelsea That's me, Christopher and I are Chelsea too, So, And I like Chelsea because Pulisic is there. I want to cheer for the American, and, and they're fun, and they're good, and I love their uniforms. And So I told Carson, I said, can I switch to Chelsea? And he looked at me and said, no. No, you've already and, made your – And I said, but why? And I, I could tell he thought, because all the teams you cheer for suck. And I knew oh. that's what he was thinking. I knew that's what he was thinking. He tried to kind of figure out how to – how do you nicely placate the guy that still pays most of your bills? And he couldn't really come up with the, the right answer. But, yeah, that's what it was. So, I'm stuck with Tottenham. Dude, Tottenham's great. They're a good team. They're but, not great. And, like, Harry Kane wants to leave, I'm, I'm told. Yeah. He wants to go to, like, is it Man City? Yeah. Well, I don't want him to go to Man City. This is, a, this is tough. I mean, sorry. Anyway, I mean – Harry Kane's going to leave, and then Chris Bryant's going to leave the Cubs, and it's going to be a depressing sports year. But, dude, that I know because we're running up on time real quick. I was, the one thing I did not know this, and it makes total sense. So every time that I've ever watched, you know, sports in the U.S., when there has been something like, you know, an injury or something really, like, uh, really, really bad happens, not like, you know, breaking a leg or something like that. I mean, that is bad, but you, you see those replays, but – they never show like someone dying on the field. And because I guess maybe there's some television laws for the U S but with 
the Euro 2020, ESPN was just porting in international feed, so they don't have control over the feed, right? And um, that is why the it stayed on him, you know, when because he was he was literally dead on the field. I don't know if you read the physicians. Yes, it's like you look at him on the field and his eyes were open, and you could tell he was lifeless on the field. And then, uh, you know. Uh, Kajer goes in there and I mean, talk about the hero, man, like pulls his tongue out of his mouth so he doesn't swallow his tongue and then builds a barricade around him. I mean, dude, that was a, for me, that was, that was a pinnacle event. Like, you know, watching humanity in sports too. It's like this dude was dead on the field and then, and then he goes and like comforts his wife. I don't know, man, that was just a, that was a. That was a crazy thing to witness, and then he you know, very he, well may have saved his life right there on the field. A hundred percent, he did. Hundred percent, he did. I mean, because by the time the uh, medics got to him, you know, he was. Uh, and also, I learned that it was Petr Cech, who was the Chelsea former goalkeeper. You know, he his he broke his his skull was broken on the field, and um, there were no medics on site. That was the first time where UEFA finally said, "Hey." which I can't believe it, that was the first time UEFA said we have to have emergency medicine like on the pitch for something like that to happen. Or else, dude, Erickson would have totally, he would have, he would have been, we'd be reading about, you know, his obituary and stuff like that. Crazy, man. One of the interesting things, kind of wrapping the whole show up, is there was immediately, the immediate report was about Erickson and the vaccine. Had he recently been vaccinated? Had he not? Was it? And I didn't. And here we. Oh yeah, yeah. It was. It was big topic of conversation right away. And as we sit here right now, I don't know that we completely know that answer. Yeah. There was an initial report that he had been vaccinated May first, June first, something first with his team, and then somebody came out and said no, he, he wasn't vaccinated. But since then, that story, at least to my knowledge, and and, and I will openly. Note that I've not gone searching for it because I'm just glad that Christian Erickson's going to be okay. Yeah, from all from all from all accounts, he's a great guy. And if if this is the end of his soccer career, well, then so be it. At least he has his life, and and you know, yeah, and he's old with a young family, man. He's got a whole life ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, he probably was approaching the finish line of his career anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're so right. you know. But anyway, I mean, it is it is a topic of interest. I mean, you know, in the event that this young, I don't know, not not breaking news here, and not trying to fat shame anybody at all, but uh, young elite soccer players are typically pretty damn fit, just yep. as a rule. You know, I mean they they don't they're not running around with a bunch of body weight. They're not carrying around a bunch of a bunch of excess mass. They're not. They're not their their body fat percentage is pretty low, and they they run for days. For him just to drop like that, I'd like to know why. Um, it's not necessarily my business, but I'd like to know why. And if if it is at all tied to the vaccine, I'd like to know what that tie is. And if it's not tied to the vaccine, I'd love to know that as well. It's one of the things that. I think this is where transparency is what people want. If I find out that Christian Erickson got the vaccine and that they believe that a side effect of that vaccine led to him 
having this the incident, I'd like to know that. Does that mean that I would never recommend the vaccine to someone? Of course not. But I'd like to know. And on the flip side, if we can establish that, no, Christian Erickson is not vaccinated, okay, well, we can rule that out. Doesn't mean, but it's almost like you can't say that because if you do that, well, then we must judge why these people aren't vaccinated. We do this with athletes right now. An athlete comes out, Anthony Rizzo, the Chicago Cubs first baseman, was asked on a radio interview in Chicago, are you vaccinated? And he said no. And he went into why, and he talked about how they've talked about it, and um, you know, admitted that it's caused some consternation within the Cubs clubhouse, within that organization, within that community. And amazing to watch the people attack Anthony Rizzo for not getting vaccinated. How irresponsible it is, the message that it sends. Drives me kind of crazy. So Anthony Rizzo doesn't have the doesn't have the option of choosing for himself. He's just someone that overcame cancer as a young person. He doesn't have the option of choosing for himself whether or not he wants to take and or trust a vaccine. Why? And yet, the media and public health officials, and all the way up to the president of the United States aren't trusted at this point with the dispensing of information. We would have been so much better off if from the very beginning it hadn't been politicized. And yes, Trump politicized it, and yes, the left politicized it. They absolutely did. Both both sides, 100%. So this isn't a Republican or a Democratic argument. Both sides politicized the virus. And here we are. And now nobody really knows what you can trust, who to trust. I've talked to several doctors. Had my doctor here in Oxford. Um, I've talked to two of them. One does not recommend the virus, and one I mean, the vaccine, and one does. There's not, and I don't judge either one of those medical people. They're both very smart people. Right. I like them both as human beings, and trust them both as as medical people. They have differing opinions. Yet, if you have an opinion in the public, it it becomes politicized. Anthony Rizzo immediately becomes some right-wing nut job, according to most people in Chicago. This guy that's been on the Cubs for years and years and has given back to the community probably more than any player in that organization has in the past decade and was the guy that caught the ball at first base that won the World Series. So he's done his part there, too. And yet... He gets attacked. It's it's an odd thing. I don't think it's a to when when you see Christian Erickson go down on the pitch. I don't think it's a political thing to ask what happened in the midst of this after effects of the pandemic when government officials are are and, and oftentimes sports officials are mandating a vaccine. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's disingenuous to ask questions. Was he vaccinated? Because there's only just two answers to that. Yes, he was, or no, he wasn't. Yeah. And if the answer is yes, the follow-up question is, is there any concern that the vaccine contributed to that incident? And then there's yeah. two answers to that. Yes, and we're looking into it, or no, there is no concern. At, yeah, which point, well. at which point I would say, okay, why? And then you would explain it to me, and I would learn. 
Or you would say, no, Christian Erickson was not vaccinated. And now I know that whatever happened to Christian Erickson, it did not have anything to do with the vaccine. And while I, I'm, I'm then curious, well, was he okay? Now I know it's probably not something that I need to think about. I just can be thankful that he's okay. Does that make sense? It does. I think that's rational. Martin, when I talk like this and you watch on my message board and on Twitter, I'll get attacked. You're a nut. You're trying to be Clay Travis. And my response to that, by the way, is Clay Travis is now making $10 million a year. I wish I would have tried harder to be Clay Travis. I don't even know who Clay Travis is. He's uh, formed OutKick, sold it to Fox News for about $100 million, and he is one of the two people that's now replacing Rush Limbaugh on the radio. Uh-huh. The late Rush Limbaugh. So anyway, that's when I say that, that's what I get. I get that pushback, and I don't really understand it, frankly. I don't, I don't get that because I don't think I come – I don't – I, mean, I know myself. I'm not sitting around all day watching Fox News. In fact, I can't remember the last time I did watch Fox News. I, I, I don't – not that there's anything wrong with Fox News. I, we covered that too. I just – I kind of take them for a, with a grain of salt. I sort of know where they come from, and if I watch it, I, I put it in that context. In the same way that if I turn on MSNBC – I know there's a filter. And therefore, really have no problem with either network. If you want to know the truth, as we just jump around, I don't have a problem with Fox News. You sort of know what you're getting. I don't have a problem with MSNBC. You know what you're getting. I have a problem with the ones that say, hey, we are objective. And then you're not. Anyway. I will not be here next week. Carson and I are taking our uh, annual boys trip that we did not get to take last year. So we're taking it this year. Um, so happy 4th of July to everybody. And we will, uh, we will come back after uh, Independence Day. And we'll get back together for another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle. We'll, we'll talk about whatever is going on in the news two weeks from today, and we'll start working on that uh, big crypto show where we get your questions answered, you all that listen to us. Thank you for making us a part of your podcast routine. We certainly appreciate it, and uh, wish you a great weekend. And again, happy 4th. We'll be back with you uh, in July. Until then, for Martin, I'm Neil. Take care. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.